0: gone through this series called Lent, A Journey Towards Easter uh, for the past 40 days um, or so. so. It's been uh, quite a lot of different weeks. I'm not going to recap every single week, but we've gone through a lot of, uh, you know, uh, talking about sin and, and what it means to fast and, uh, and what is it, what the meaning of healing and wholeness and what do we break bread and share the wine on some Sundays, and all that kind of stuff, what it means to die to self. But today, since it's Easter Sunday, and it's a day of joy after we've gone through a lot of the death stuff and the reflection on sin and evil, today we will focus on three important themes or three important concepts, perhaps, that I see highlighted on the passage that was read it was probably the longest passage I've ever preached on. Um, it was about uh, 30 verses. <laughs> when I heard other people share and they do passages, that I'm like, man, why why so long? Like They can't just focus on something. And now I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have judged. But I, I put the whole uh, passage, because I believe it's important, it's the account of Jesus' resurrection on, on John chapter 20. Obviously, the account is throughout all the Gospels, the four, uh, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the historical accounts of Jesus, uh, of Jesus' eyewitnesses, right? And um, so, so today we're going to look at these three concepts that are highlighted in this passage. And these three concepts are life, death, and belief. And now, as you can see, the title is Easter Sunday, there is more to life than death, right? Now, there's a, there's a meaning in it. There is more to life than death. And what, I'm, what I really mean by that is that um, there is obviously life beyond death that Jesus gives, right? That through Jesus, we are able to have life. But there is also more to life than death in the sense that We live our lives the way we do because of death. So death actually dictates uh, consciously or unconsciously the way we live. I'll give you just one example. COVID-19. It changed your life. Why? Because, Because death came and everyone's life just changed because there was a there there was a danger of death hence everyone tried to protect themselves which is obvious and is wise right but think about that we live our lives because of death have you ever heard of the term mortal right what is a mortal all of us are mortals why you you always hear that maybe on like these movies like yeah you're mortal when the gods are like you know i leo watches moana all the time so If you're familiar with Moana, there is a demigod, you know, uh, Maui. And he's like, you mortals, you're just a mortal, you know, like meaning like gods live forever. Mortals, meaning that there is a limited time span, you know, and then you're just a mortal. You're just going to die. So even our lives, you know, are defined as we are mortals, you know, because mortal comes from mort, which in Spanish is better because mort means, muerto means death. So that's the root of it. It comes from you're going to die, basically. So, right? So, so all to say, there is more to life than death. Right now, today, and after death. So that's why that's, I wanted to share why, why I chose that, that title. So... <clears throat> So that's, that's going to be the focus on those three concepts, life, death, and belief. I'll give you a little background first. Okay, life. Looked it up, as I always do on Google. And you put, you know, you've probably done this maybe once a day, or maybe not. Maybe it's just me. But you put meaning of, and then you put the word, and then it just comes up, right? So meaning of life, the condition that distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic matter including the capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. Again, life is defined, why? Because of death, even on the very definition on, on Google, you know? So, the existence, the second definition that came up is the existence of an individual human being or animal, meaning they exist, they have breath, right? Now, Here's like a definition from scripture. And, and that's like um, the Hebrew scriptures, which is the Old Testament. You have, uh, it's is written on, the, on, on Hebrew, by the way. And Jesus spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, obviously. Though the New Testament is, is written on, on Koine Greek. But the Old Testament is written on Hebrew. And you have Ruach, which means breath, wind, and spirit. So, when you see on, if you ever read a Bible, right, and you see on the Old Testament or New Testament sometimes, uh, you see, uh, and the wind was moving around, or the Spirit of God was hovering around, or, or the breath of someone, or the breath, someone breathed into someone. It's the same word. All of them are the same one, Ruach, same word, right? Now, the word for life itself is high, high. Now, think about that. The Hebrew people are people that are very um, non compartmentalized like Westerners. So it's, it's, it's very much like the way they speak is the way they live. So life means that you have breath in your body, right? You have breath in your body. So if you don't have breath in your body, you are not alive, right? With animals, you, you, you know, it's like no breath, no life. Right, so hi, it's almost like like you're breathing, high, right? Hi, high. even like it it in itself, when use you, when you're talking in Hebrew on the Hebrew scriptures, you say hi is breath itself. Obviously, the word for breath is ruach, but it has it, it's very um, how can I say they're very related life with breath. So now hold the thought because it's very important for you to understand breath because. Breath, life, no breath, no life, right? It's just as simple as that. So what is death? Again, Google, a permanent cessation of all vital functions, the end of life. That's actually Merriam-Webster dictionary, whatever, which is known. So it's a permanent cessation of all vital functions, the end of life. Again, no more life. Whoops, whoops. And then it's, it's, it's the lack of breath, the lack of life. When there is no more, you know? Faith. Now, you may be wondering, but what are what these three concepts? Believe it or not, these concepts are these the passage that we just read. And, and, and faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Again, this is Google. Um, and then, again... You have a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So that's another definition of faith. Complete trust and a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion. So I give you a little bit of background. Life, death, faith. Right? Faith. Think of faith as trusting someone or trusting the chair that you're like, right now sitting down you trust a chair because otherwise you know you wouldn't sit <laughs> you know have you ever sat on a chair that has fallen like you sat and it was kind of like you know shake and then you 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 know that can happen right but we trust on our everyday life we trust sometimes that the subway will take us from point a to point b though sometimes it takes double the time but it you know but it does take you you, you trust that when you cross the street the, the car is not gonna hit you, right? Or if there is a red light, you trust that that car is not gonna press the gas and hit you, right? You tr- you make, you have faith of some sort in your everyday life, you know. So you trust that you know if you're married or a companion or whatever, like you trust that person is not gonna like hit you in mm-hmm. a night or something, right? You trust it because you're you're with a person, living with a person, right? Like there is even a trust in marriage, right? So all of that stuff, you know, Adrian is like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I try. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, um, so death and life concepts. Um, now, going back with that, with that background, let's go back to the passage that we, we were uh, reading. So before the passage, we, we have chapter 19. That's what happened on Friday. Friday, this past Friday is Good Friday, uh, where Jesus actually was crucified on the cross right? He was betrayed, crucified. So Jesus was crucified and buried. That's death, lack of breath, no more vital functions. Jesus is death, right? That happened on chapter 19. Now in chapter 19 through 20, you have the disciples deserting Jesus, right? Basically, um, think of the disciples for a little bit. The disciples gave their lives, again, their lives to Jesus, left everything to follow him, right? Now, Jesus always said that the time will come when he was going to be taken away. But it was hard to understand, you know, how come the teacher that I'm following, this person of authority that I'm following, I'm giving my life to, to his teachings, right, at that time, uh, how, how come he's just going to die? well, what is the point of following someone that's going to die? Then everything that that person, you know, thought of or everything that that person, you know, like, like taught you about, you know, it's in vain, especially if it's only three years. Usually when teachers follow, when students follow teachers, the teachers tend to live a long life, you know, well into their 70s, 80s and and, and you follow their teachings and you have enough time to process and then you become becoming a teacher. But no, Jesus was saying, no, I'm just three years, that's it, I'm gone. You know, he was 30, died at 33, right? So, but then the disciples, everything they gave their lives to was gone because the one who they followed had died. So Jesus dies, disciples are like, okay, this is it, peace out, I'm gone. You know, it's basically what happened. Because Jesus died. So, Jesus was deserted by his, the people that actually followed him. Jesus was abandoned and betrayed, right? So, that's death. Now, on verse 16, on chapter 20, we have the resurrected Jesus revealing himself first to Mary Magdalene. So, that's the death and life concept. So, then Jesus resurrects. And then who is the first person he reveals himself is a person that in another gospel, I think it's Mark, that it says that he had, she had seven demons and she was liberated. She was freed from those, from that torment that she had, you know, and, and, and this person who was a very marginal person at the time, she was probably ostracized by the community because she was demonized, so completely ostracized from the community Second, she was a woman. Women were not, were not valued at the time. They were not. They were, if you, they didn't have, it's not that they could find a job. They fully depended on their father or on a husband. If they didn't have none of that, that's it. They don't have a life, pretty much. You know, and they were mistreated. They were second-class citizens. But Jesus, no. Jesus completely revolutionized his time And took woman disciples under him. And guess what? Who's the first person that he reveals himself? Not Peter. Not John. Even the writer of this gospel. Because if he would have said that, he would have been lying. And Jesus' disciple better not be lying when he writes the the gospel, right? And he says, no. Like, he reveals himself first to Mary Magdalene. This woman ostracized completely. Jesus is like, I'm going to reveal myself to her first. Though Mary was looking for him, but Jesus has the capacity to choose to who he wants to reveal himself. And he chooses to do with the people that we less think they deserve, you know, something at all, right? So Jesus comes alive, reveals himself to Mary Magdalene on verse 16. And then we see Peter and John going into the tomb. The the This is like the... the the core, the the inner circle of Jesus. And and they go into the tomb. And then Peter, uh, John gets there first, but Peter gets inside the tomb first. They found that it's empty. And then it, they, they say that John believed. But then the verse after that, it says that, that they haven't quite understand what Jesus meant that he was going to resurrect. So even John was like, he believed uh, kind of, you know, he's like, OK, yeah, but. Is he alive? I haven't seen him. Maybe John was wondering. We don't know that. We don't have that information. But what we know is that they went to the tomb because what? Not because they went to the tomb. Because they heard from the woman that 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 Jesus was resurrected. Uh, or that the, the the tomb was empty and they went. But then guess what? They went home again. They didn't do much about it. They went back home with all the other disciples. Right? So that's... And then this is very important. On verse 19, it says that the disciples were with the doors locked because of fear of the Jews. So they went back home. Jesus was already resurrected. But even though that tomb was empty, they didn't quite believe it. Because the scripture tells us that they didn't quite understand when Jesus said that he was going to be resurrected. And then he says, that the doors were locked because of fear of the Jews. Now, what does it mean, fear of the Jews? Think about that. Fear, of, why are they afraid of, of the Jews? Because who who killed Jesus, right? Like, we we have like, all, you know, we have like, when John says the Jews, he's not like being like uh, anti-Semitic, by the way. So I make sure you know that, because John uses Jews Interchangeably, he uses Jews for, uh, for Jews that follow Jesus as well as Jews that betray Jesus. So he, he's, he, he um, just uh, uh, interchangeably uses this, this term between, okay, yeah, these Jews follow Jesus, and then there are the Jews, that Jews that don't follow Jesus and betray him and, and, and put him into. Jesus himself was a Jew, you know. Mm-hmm. We know that. Peter, John, all of them are Jews. So anyways, so fear of the Jews, meaning like they were fearful of death because the Jews killed Jesus. Hence, they're fearful of dying on the same fate of the one they followed. Because, okay, he's dead. Everything we follow is dead, lacks breath. There is no life in it anymore. It's not just the one that we followed, but everything we believed in has died. Now, at least let me preserve The little thing that I have, which is my own breath. Let me go to this house, lock myself so that I don't die. You know, like us during COVID, that we lock ourselves up so that we might not die. Right. And it's it's wise and it's probably wise for them at the time to do that. But if they understood what Jesus has said. So faith or belief. Jesus comes in the midst of their fear and shows them in his hands and shows them his hand and his sight. So he comes in even in the midst of the fear, shows himself alive, shows them, shows them the, the his hands and his sight. Then we have he says on verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus not only says, okay. I'm coming, revealing myself alive to you. I'm not dead anymore, right? Everything that I talk to you now is verified and is true because I'm alive and I've defeated death. Now, because of that that authority that I have, Jesus saying here that as the Father has sent me, so I sent you. Meaning, as the Father has sent me, Jesus saying, and I have performed all these miracles. I have come and reached the marginalized, saved the world carry the, the, the sin, the evil of the world, the, the death you should have died, I died so that you can have life, right? In the same way, now go forth and do the same things because I have done it and now you can do it. And check this out, this is very important. He breathed unto them and said, receive the Ruach Kadoshah, the Ruach, the Holy Spirit. The life, remember what we're talking, life, the high, the life, the ruach, the spirit, the wind, the breath of life. So he said, okay, so I am, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. But obviously he's just not saying, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, peace out. No, he's saying, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, now let me breathe and give you the same power. Now, how can he do that? Why did he do that after the resurrection? Why he didn't do it before the resurrection? Why John's account has this after the resurrection? Because before the resurrection, he was probably deemed by everyone as a mortal. But now he proved himself to be what Maui and Moana might have said. (laughs) An immortal God himself. Yeah, guys, we're not Greek mythologists, but we believe there is a God. And that a God actually came. And He Himself walked among us and performed miracles. I don't need to go to Greek mythology to just see crazy stuff that actually happened. In Christianity, you find that time and time again. And it's, it's like He breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now that he has defeated death, is he has proved himself not to just be a mortal, because he's definitely human, but also to be 100% human, but also being 100% divine God. Why? Because he defeated death. Breath came back to him at the third day, and now he can breathe it out to the disciples. That spirit... That wind, that breath, same thing, right? Ruach, spirit, breath, wind. The divine breath into the disciples so that they may do the same. Now with that empowerment, the disciples were willing to die. Have you ever thought why the church, the early church grew so exponentially for 300 years when they were persecuted by the Roman emperor for 300 years? on the first century probably because they they probably wouldn't have died for a lie they had to have died for something that have proven to them to be true and that is a proof of christianity until now faith now verse 24 which is most of us right thomas comes and then even though he's heard no, I don't need to, I don't need to hear. Maybe you're here like, yeah, Peter, I always hear you. Come on. Those are just words, you know. And Thomas is like, okay, yeah, those are just words. Like, I need to touch it, you know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sensorial person. I'm not a feeler like you. I'm censored. I need to touch it, you know. And it's like, and then, and then Jesus is like, all right. He goes, he okay, touch it. He touched it. The wound in his hand, the wound in his side. And then we, we see on the scripture that it says that he kneels down and believes. And then what Jesus says, blessed are those, right? It says, um, th- then Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He confesses Jesus to be God. Jesus said to him, have you, believe, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus says, Blessed are those who have. Now there are people that have seen things, crazy things, miracles or circumstances, and because of these things they have believed. And It's not that God is now, Jesus is saying like, "Oh, God's not going to show any miracle anymore, so you just got to believe. You know, it's just, No, he still does that. But he's saying, but imagine just believing even without him showing you or showing proof. So Thomas does, but then believes. So th- this is the gamma that we have. Belief, death, life, right? Now, all to say, all to say that we lived our lives avoiding death, right? Uh, what? COVID. Think about that. The world was shut down. And now because of that, we avoided death. There is fear of death in humanity. Now, think about traffic lights. You know, you don't, you, you know, if, if you're driving, you don't just want to cross a red light because then you might be hit and may, you might be hurt or even Die, right? Think about what you do every day. Now, we are in the Western world, but think about the majority world, which usually have to live day by day, right? Why do they have to live day by day? Because if they don't work, they don't eat that day, right? So even working means trying not to die. Because if you don't work, guess what? There's not going to be food in your table and you're not gonna be able to eat. And if you don't eat, guess what happened? Like the definition that Google gave me. The organic things don't reproduce, they don't they die. Right? So even even the little things of life are directly related to life and death. Now even even, even when we when we say oh that was that's so life giving. Right or or when when a when a baby's born, it's like oh wow, that's so life. Or when you walk in nature, that's so life giving. Why why do we use the word life giving? think about that. It's just gives you life, right? So. So now whether we trust in the vaccines, or the doctors, or what our work provides for us or our families, at. Uh, at the end of the days, we trust something so that we might avoid death. We, we trust, go back again, if it's COVID, the vaccines, hopefully, we trust what? The masks, right? We trust the traffic light, that it will stop people from crashing each other, right? We, we trust that the work we do will give us money back so that we can provide. So even we trust our own intellect, our own ingenuity, our own skill set, So at the end of the day, we will trust in something or someone so that we might avoid death, and that is what those three concepts are found on this passage. There's tons of this person believed, and Thomas didn't believe, and John um, and John believed, but kind of believed, you know. And then there is Jesus dying, then he resurrecting, then he breathing out life, and then at the end of the passage, they, it even says. At the end of the passage, says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the one that's Christ, meaning the sent one from God, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's there. Now, Furthermore though, the most quoted verse found in the same gospel, which you might heard of it, is this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. Perish means die. You got the three words on one verse. Right on John three sixteen Life, death, belief. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not die, should not perish, but have eternal life. Death is not the last stop. Life, the resurrection of Christ, is at the center of the Christian belief. Perspective of death and life completely changes into one of hope beyond death when the object of our faith and belief is the one who has defeated death itself. I'm going to repeat that. Death is not the last stop, but life, the resurrection of Christ, is at the center of the Christian belief. Perspective of death and life completely changes into one of hope beyond death, when the object of our faith and belief is the one who has defeated death itself. But if you trust there's nothing wrong with working, there's nothing wrong of stopping on red light. There's nothing wrong on getting vaccinated. But what is wrong is like or what will harm you at the end is where your the core of your trust is. Beyond those things that will fail you one day. Vaccinated people has died. People that that have crossed red lights have died. Etc. It's people that wanted to work but they couldn't find a job. They, they died because of malnutrition in many places of the world. So, what is it? But if we believe in Jesus, there is hope, not just when we die, beyond that day when we die one day, because tomorrow is not bought. One day you can be here, but tomorrow you might not. So that is securing Jesus. But it changes the way we live our everyday lives, like I just show. We're no longer paralyzed by fear of death, but we are given life. Now, that doesn't mean we don't grieve death. That doesn't mean we don't fear certain things. But it means that there is... That there is a hope beyond that. We don't, we don't grieve as those that don't have hope, though we still grieve, but with a hope beyond ourselves. So as Christians, we believe that death is a consequence of sin. And what is sin? Is humanity trying to find fulfillment with anything else but God Himself. Is humanity trying, at least in this, in this time and age. Is humanity trying to find fulfillment with, with anything else but God Himself? We were created with a void that we try to fill with everything else. You can think of Putin or other people in the world that are causing so much death. They're trying to find fulfillment on control, power, money, right? Sin. Not God other things, fulfillment on other things. Some people are sadly, maybe drugs, alcohol, pornography, all sorts of things, you name it. Fulfillment that is with anything but God, even good things. My family, the American dream, right? Going up the ladder of success. Those are distractions. Those also are trying to fulfill in a humane way or like what we call humanism, right? That's a way of trying to fulfill ourselves uh, by not hurting other people, right? But that's also sin. So that is what is sin. And that, and, and as Christians, we believe that death is the consequence of sin. Jesus came to pay for what we should have paid on the cross, the result of our evil doing. Jesus being God was the only one able to carry the sin of humanity, that desire to fulfill ourselves by anything by God. But God was a just God. You know, I mean, if someone does evil, you know, the shooting a week or so ago in Brooklyn, obviously you will be like, yeah, that person needs to pay for the things that he's done on, in jail, for, you know, whatever, like maybe life sentence or why not? There's a consequence for that evil. Now guess what? Well, there's a consequence because, Jesus, because God is a just God. There is a consequence for an evil heart that could become an evil doing. I mean, maybe you have, might have had, and listen to me please, you might have had the same thought you know, of, of of the guy that shoot people on the train. You just haven't perpetrated. I mean, have you ever got so angry with someone you are just gonna punch them in the face? Right? But you just don't do it because you know. Come on. But that's our hearts, that's our human hearts. That's how God is just and he's like, Okay, you gotta pay for it, but then God is like, No, I want relationship with humanity. I'm gonna pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. Now to finish up, I want to talk to you. I was thinking of actually preaching on this today before the passing of my dad happened just a few days ago. And it was a sudden passing. I had to even contemplate if I should have had the service or not. And in prayer, God was like, no, you got to have it. And thankfully, the funeral is tomorrow. So we're leaving tonight. So we'll be there for that. But this just happened on Thursday morning, the day before he was alive. But then one day he's just gone. Life just goes like this. You just just don't know. My dad was only 65. I'm 32. So, but there is hope my aunt called me and told me, you know, someone told me this, and obviously he called, she called me, she's a Christian, through, through their family, actually my family came to Christ, and she told me, there's this guy that always said, every day, he's an older person now, the person that said this, he said, every day heaven seems sweeter to me. And then my aunt, one day asked asking, what, what do you always mean by like, every day just heaven gets sweeter, like, because every day I lose someone. But I know that one day I will see them again in heaven. And every day just heaven. just It's sweeter because now this person is older. So he probably lost parents and siblings and even children maybe. And it's just sweeter. I just, just want to encounter them one day with Jesus. And that's a hope we have in him. For today, like I said. But also for tomorrow. And so. I told Andrea. That same day that this happened. This That afternoon. That Thursday afternoon. Because I was like. I didn't know at that time. But at that point I was like. I just feel like this is. This is the perfect example. To preach about life in Jesus. That there is life in Jesus. And I'm thankful my God. my My dad knew Jesus. Knew God. And he was not who he used to he changed a lot he became much more loving and attentive and and saying i love you a lot more than when i was a child cuz he had addictions he had stuff but i'm so thankful that he've gone through transformation and he wasn't perfect he was struggling with certain things and to be honest the consequence of his lifestyle was what probably brought him to die in this week but I have the hope that he's with God right now. And now with that being said, I just want you to reflect on a few questions. How is my current perspective on death and life affecting me on my everyday life? I mean current, right now. Fear of losing someone special, maybe. Fear of death anxiety there's anxiety within you there's sadness there's depression you know that that maybe is causing you to do things that you that 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 are affecting you and your everyday what are those things that are affecting you and your everyday life feelings uh situations circumstances Maybe, maybe it's even none of these negative feelings. Maybe it's just a, a happiness, a, a temporal joy that is dependent on your current circumstances because right now everything's good, so I'm, I'm cool. But maybe that itself might be preventing you from, the good prevents you. I have this professor from Old Testament, he says, the, the Bible, it's all about this. And he says, it's like, you know, it's not about what's good, it's about what's best. Everything might be a good thing that you're doing, but the enemy of, the, of, of, the, of, the, of, of what's best for you is what's good for you, but not what's best in Jesus. So think about those things. Maybe, maybe good feelings, bad feelings, depending on your circumstance, but are those things that are affecting you in your everyday life? Second question is, what is, has been the object or perhaps objects of my faith? My belief that has distorted my perspective on death and life. Maybe you've relied on yourself. On yourself and another person that you love maybe perhaps. Or yourself if you're single. Maybe you've relied on the love of your parents. The love of your friends. If friends don't love you, then you don't feel good. If friends love you, then you feel good. Again, your worth, your sense of Living or being alive is dependent on others, or dependent on my. You know, you know. Some of us might come from families that are like go getters. Like, oh yeah, if someone helps me, cool. But if not, I got myself. Come on, New Yorkers, right? <laughs> this is it. We we might come from other cities, but the the city of New York is a. The I had I, I don't, This is like a little on the side, but I, I think I need to say this. The city of New York is the most diverse city of the world, but it's the most homogeneous city of the world. It's the most homogeneous, but at the same time, it's the most diverse. What do I mean by that? Because the city has such a one culture, right? But there are so many cultures in the city, but the city wants you to just be one culture. You got to be fast. You got you to gotta be successful. You got to earn that money. You got to be fast-paced. You know, you got to make it up all the way up to the One World Trade Center. You know, that's what the city will tell you. So the city has one culture, but then all these cultures come and then there is this wrestling. The city is like, yo, you got to become like me. The city is telling everyone from every culture, yo, you got to become like me. That is the Babylon that God spoke about. The towers on Genesis chapter 11. So, What is that object? Maybe on on the theme that I'm talking about. The New York City culture might be the object. Where your faith has distorted your perspective on death and life. Finally. Today. Am I willing to believe on Jesus who carried my death on the cross. That I may resurrect with him. And have life eternal. And with that I'm going to invite the team. As we are going to go to the last song. Before we prepare. Um our stomachs for the food, but also our hearts for what He has for us. Um, but I just want to ask you, as you think about these things, how how has this thing affected me? Right? How has these things affected me? And what has, might have been the object of my faith? Now, with that in your mind, I'm, I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to pray. You can close your eyes if you're willing. Um, Close your eyes, and and, and I'm just gonna ask, Holy Spirit, breath of life, bring forth conviction, bring forth a word beyond ourselves, Lord. Beyond ourselves, what are some things that might be affecting us? What are some things that we have said? As an object of my faith, our faith. I just ask the Holy Spirit reveal that to your heart even now as I pray. Now, right now in your heart, is like, Pierre, this, this, this was a really good kind of talk, a cool talk. I don't really know what you, what is this Jesus thing, but good talk. I, I'm going to challenge this, like, are you willing to believe on this Jesus that you just heard about and you think is cool and awesome and you want that? Now, my question for you is, are you willing to believe on this Jesus who carried your death on that cross, that you may resurrect with him and have life eternal, a hope beyond life when you die, but also now for your everyday life?